0: And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from our pastor at Hatchbend Apostolic Church.
1: I want to ask you, if you will, to join me in the book of Amos, uh, one of the minor prophets' um, book toward the end of the Old Testament. In the last several weeks, I've been reading through some of the closing chapters, books and chapters of the Old Testament words of amos they're not uncommon words to uh, people that are familiar with the word of god but there was just something about these scriptures a few days ago that just pricked my heart i I made myself some notes i really didn't know when i would come back to this to try to uh, put a message together but i felt prompted this week to do that and more specifically this weekend. So I believe that we're in the will of the Lord today. The book of Amos, chapter number six, and uh, we're going to read the first six verses. And uh, so if you'll just kind of follow me here. The Bible says, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. And then, and then Amos um, kind of takes his listeners down certain paths in these next few verses. So Amos is not just talking to be talking or writing to be writing. This is not a novel. He is asking them some very piercing questions. He said, pass ye unto Calneth and see, and go from thence, go to Hamath the great, and then go down to Gath of the Philistines. And he asks this question. Be they better than these kingdoms? Or their border greater than your border? Ye that put far away the evil day and cause the seed of violence to come near. They that lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches. And eat, of the lam- eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall that chant to the sound of the vial, or that's another word for violin, that chant to the sound of the violin and invent to themselves instruments of music like David that drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with chief ointments, but they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Now, I can appreciate today that my heart may be a little bit more in tune with these particular scriptures, not because I'm more spiritual than you, but just because I've been reading them again and again and again. But Amos is now speaking to God's elect. Amos is not in the bar room. He's not at the dance hall. Amos is not standing in some alley and speaking to drug addicts. Amos is talking to the church. And then he asked them to compare different things and 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 weigh that against themselves. And then he said of the church, he said, "You are, you're uh, you're sleeping on beds of ivory. You stretch yourself upon couches, and and you're eating lambs out of the flocks and calves out of the middle midst of the of the stall, and you're, you're chanting to the sounds of violins. You're inventing." Um, uh, instruments rather of music like David and then he talks about this and it's easy to miss this but I want to go back and underline it he talks about drinking wine in bowls amen and so this speaks to excess and then he says you have given and anointed yourself with chief ointments but you're not even grieved over the affliction of Joseph Your priorities are wrong. Amen. And so today I want to, with the help of the Lord, preach from this simple subject, asleep in the light. Asleep in the light. Amen. God bless you and you can be seated and thank you for what tremendous presence of the Lord during our praise and worship here and uh, in our first service. So I just ask you to, to, to join with me today and help me preach as well. In January of 1982, actually, this lyric was written in 1971. But in January of 1972, um, it was decided to be published and used. But McDonald's featured a commercial that became, it was one of their commercials that became iconic. Um, really, it became iconic in America, but beyond really at the borders of our nation. And so there will be a few here that won't remember this, but I think there are several here that will remember one line of a jingle. It was much more than this, but one line of a jingle that kind of stuck in the head and the hearts of Americans. And it just simply said this, you deserve a break today. Some of you finished that sentence before I could even get to it. And, and, uh, and the, the rhythm of that song and, and, and its lyric, its message. And so I'm not here to attack McDonald's this morning. But uh, I don't have to. McDonald's will attack you. <laughs> <laughs> you can eat it now and later. But you deserve a break today. It did then and it does now have a certain allure it was reminding us that we deserve something. And that seems to be a, a message in which the mind and the heart, um, certainly of our Western culture, has been massaged into embracing that you deserve this. Nobody really considers, I wouldn't say nobody, but, but the, mind, the typical mindset of people today is not whether or not they can afford something, but it's whether or not we deserve to have something. And uh, there may be people here that that deserve to drive a lot better car than you're driving. But if you can't afford to drive that and finance that or buy that, then I just have some uh, instructions for you. I have some help, if you will. Don't do it. Don't do it. Because the sweetness of the drudgery of that is going to be lost in what you think you deserve. You may deserve a house twice the size, but if you can't afford to do that, this is not about what you deserve. And so again, I'm not going after them, but there was a, a message that was sent home that you deserve this. You deserve a break today, so why don't you just get up and go away? But of course, they wanted you to go to them. Amen. So when we consider the pressures of work and the hectic, busy schedules that I think everyone is subject to to some degree, we can certainly at times feel like we need a break. Uh, just a week or so ago, my wife and I were privileged to attend our annual general conference in Indianapolis, Indiana, and on the way home, we took four days just to ourselves, and, and uh, then that fifth day was a very full day of travel, And there were a lot of accidents on the interstate and the traffic was horrible. And so it turned into an all day adventure. And by the time we got home, both of our nerves were shot and we looked at each other and said, we need a break. (laughs) We just need to get away. We needed kind of a vacation from the vacation. And we've all been there. But Jesus said to those that were weary, he said, come unto me all you that are heavy laden. He said, I I will give you rest and that's true rest, that's real rest, amen. The book of Amos speaks to the people of God and I think that is the most important statement that I could make today is that this message is not, uh, of Amos was not to sinners, this message of Amos was to God's elect, amen. He was preaching to them concerning the danger of growing apathetic in their commitment to God And I believe that the Lord is always sending the voice of prophets to his people. And uh, I think that sometimes we uh, sort of have the mindset, I, I realize there's a balance in what I'm about to say, but we sometimes have the mindset that we really need God to go get these sinners straightened up. But I believe God looks at that differently. And I believe what the Lord is trying to do, amen, is not necessarily trying to straighten the heathen out, he's trying to straighten his people out. Because if the church will do what the church is supposed to do, the church will create a light and the church will be salt and salt creates thirst. Amen. The Bible says, come unto me and those that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Those are the ones that's going to be filled. And so I would suggest to you today that our problems are not, are not, it's not sin or sinful places or sinful entertainment altogether. But the greatest thing that we fight today as a church would be those, Things that distract us from the real purpose of God. Amen. Throughout the pages of the Bible, both Old Testament and in the New Testament, we can see that the man of God was always sent to the people of God. Amen. primarily at least, always is a big word, but primarily the man of God was sent to the people of God because God was trying to shake and wake his people and his primary responsibility is to renew them and to stir them and to stir them, not just to stir them for the sake of being stirred, but to stir them to a renewed devotion in God. I want to tell you that I believe that it can happen because I have watched too many others before me who served God for decades and they never lost their joy and they never lost the zeal. They never lost the hunger of serving God. That doesn't mean because their lives were always pleasant or they never had painful experiences or they were never hurt or they were never disappointed even in and by the church but it just means that they just consistently devoted themselves to him and and they went back again and again and again and so as we look today at this old testament prophet he really indeed has a timeless message and if we listen closely i believe that we can hear for us a word today i believe that we can hear a challenge from not just this pulpit but i believe that we could hear a challenge from the very throne of god in the days of which amos prophesied The northern kingdom of Israel was separated from the southern kingdom of Judah. And so Amos himself from Judah. But God gave him a message for both Judah and Israel. And it was a message that burned within the heart of what we call a minor prophet. We understand that differentiation. He may have been a minor prophet, but there's nothing minor about his message. Let me just assure you of that. Because Amos heard from the Lord and because Amos had heard from God, he had to speak because he was like Ezekiel, like Jeremiah, fire shut up in his bones, a word that he had to discharge from his spirit. And so when we read Amos 3 and 8, it typifies the burden of the messenger of God to deliver his message. And so in the essence, what, Amos said here was that a lion has roared that's what Amos 3 and 8 says a lion has roared who would not fear but the Lord has spoken and who can but prophesy and so Amos used a real common analogy he said if a lion was to roar in your face show me the man that wouldn't be afraid of that who would not fear of that but he said also in like fashion God has spoken and so who could stop that word of prophecy And so like a lion's roar created fear. The word of God created an urgency in the spirit of Amos. And he said, I cannot sleep on this. And so prophesy he did. Amos, don't ever let it be lost to you that Amos was a very good preacher. Amos was an excellent speaker. He knew just how, I'm not talking about manipulation of words or manipulation with words but Amos knew how to deliver a sermon don't you appreciate somebody that knows how to take us on a journey amen Amos was a tremendous speaker if we were just to put it in terms of of our conversation and language today he knew how to deliver a sermon he knew how to get a point home he knew where he was going and so the first two chapters of this book reveal his brilliance in being able to build a message in the mind of people in order to drive it home with an impact. In these two chapters he is pronouncing judgment uh, the judgment of God on the sins of nations but he doesn't start with the sins of Israel no he starts with the sins of nations way far off. The sins of heathen nations and so Amos is just slowly but surely one brick at a time he is building a tremendous point. In Amos 1 and 3 we read thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four I will not revoke its punishment. And so here, here if I can just turn this a little bit into a 21st century setting. Here is is the same setting we've got here this morning. Amos is preaching to the church and he's talking about, he in this very first reference, he's talking about Damascus and the Bible says for three transgressions of Damascus or yea, for four transgressions of Damascus, I will not revoke my punishment and the church is on the edge of the seat saying amen. That's right because Damascus, they need to straighten up and I'm thankful that the Lord recognizing this and Amos I just want to thank you Pastor Amos I want to thank you for recognizing this it would be like me today talking about some sin that you're not guilty of and you'd lean in and say well I'm thankful he finally got around to mentioning that because somebody sure needed to and so go get them preacher go get them Lord get Damascus and straighten them out No doubt when the people of Israel heard that God was gonna judge Damascus, they were happy because they thought judgment is in order and this is right. This is, well, I'm glad I came to church today. Amen, the pastor got a hold of the Lord and the Lord got a hold of the pastor and he's finally gonna deal with Damascus. And then Amos moves in chapter one and verse number six and he says, for thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of Gaza and for four, I will not revoke its punishment. Now they've stood a little closer to the edge and say, buddy, I'm gonna tell you that the preacher's been in prayer all night long because God has certainly got his attention. Amos Amos, thank you Pastor Amos because Gaza they really need it and then verse number nine, he said for thus saith the Lord for three transgressions of Tyre and for four I will not revoke its punishment. I mean people are nodding, they're just jabbing. You got people across the aisle looking over there, they're winking because y'all was talking about it at the restaurant the other day. I'm all up in your business. <laughs> Amen. In verse 11, thus saith the Lord, the transgressions of Edom, and for four, I'm not gonna revoke its transgressions. In verse 13, for thus saith the Lord, for three transgressions of the sons of Ammon, and for four, I will not revoke its punishments. In chapter two, verse number one, he said, for three transgressions of Moab, and for four, I will not revoke its punishments. I'm, I'm just guessing that by now, Amos has had to ask them twice to sit down. Please be seated so I can finish this message. They are on the edge of their seat. They can't believe this was the day that they're here. And then in chapter 2 verse 4, Amos brings it closer home. For three transgressions of of Judah and for four, I will not revoke, I will not revoke its punishments. Now, Judah as I mentioned a moment ago is a sister nation but they had gone their own way. And so they're thinking oh boy, I mean mean, we are on it. I mean this man is on it. And then in chapter 2 verse 6, in a Stroke of preaching brilliance, Amos drives a point home and he says, For three transgressions of Israel and of four, I will not provoke its punishments. Well, there's not quite so many amens here because they didn't realize that he was walking this message all the way from Damascus to their front door. Amen, if you knew of some vile sin that was going on in somebody's life and I got up and started calling them by name, I think you would have enough couth and and tact that you wouldn't stand up back in the back with an arm pump thinking, well, thank God he finally got around to it. But something in your heart would be a little satisfied that I finally said something about it. And then when we moved on to the next person and we went from the Smith family to the Jones family, you're going to think, well, well, well. All my prayer and fasting and all my gossip has finally got out All my social media posts, he finally, somebody sent him a screenshot and we've got it, we've got it, we've got it. Revival is about to happen and we move from the Smiths to the Jones to the next, to the next and then all of a sudden I wind up at your mailbox and you're going, oh. Wait a minute. This started out fun. This started out very spiritual. This started out godly. This started out very anointed. But now you're meddling amen (laughs) doesn't stop preaching and gone to meddling we hadn't heard that in a long time amen but because it was about everybody else's sin they were completely comfortable but now the preacher has moved his text right to their front door maybe they wanted amos to change his message but you see god had a word for israel and god has a word for us today and that was my introduction this morning aren't you glad you're here Amen. Here is the message of Amos. He said, you need to be a, beware of false senses of security. You need to be beware of that. Woe to them. He said, woe to them that are at ease in Zion, that trust in the mountain of Samaria, which is named chief among the nations to whom the house of Israel came. You see, the people of God were faced with a problem of trusting this false sense of security. The problem, that problem was not unique to the people of God then no more than it is today because there were many in that day just like there are in our day-to-day that are content to trust in outward signs. So he said you need to beware and he said you need to be careful and he pronounced a woe. I'm gonna tell you that when the scripture uses the word woe, you ought to give heed. You ought to give Paul's woe to them that are at ease in Zion. He said woe to them that are feeling secure in the Mount of Samaria. Amos was preaching to God's people. He wasn't down there on Center Avenue. Amen, he wasn't there on Center Avenue, but he was right down there on Church Street. Amen, preaching about... the trappings of security, the things that you think are working, you're trusting these things and because of that, you have become complacent and surely, amen, surely they're thinking, if I attend church, if I do what's right, if I show up, if I put a little money in the plate, everything is gonna be all right but Amos was saying, no, that's not true, that's not how this works we can't trust the outward trappings of religion, that's never gonna be enough. Amos was really saying the same thing that Jeremiah had already said in Jeremiah chapter seven verses one through four. I want to summarize that. Amen. If, if we were to read those verses, here's in essence what we would hear. Jeremiah was saying, "Hear ye the word of the Lord, all ye Judah, that enter in at the gates to worship the Lord." He said, "Amend your ways and amend your doings, and I will and I will cause you to dwell in this place." The Lord said, "Jeremiah, tell them when you come into the." house of God this is not about hoping somebody else can find the Lord this is hoping we can find him again this is hoping that we can discover him afresh can I tell you this morning while we're in the throes I'm preaching to us this morning while we are in the throes of reaching for others you know what the enemy is trying to do and you know what some of you are falling for and men being at ease in Zion and letting go and relaxing things that you've held close to your heart for years and years and you know the tragedy of that not only is the jeopardy it's putting your soul in but it's the jeopardy that you're putting other souls in there's somebody else that's watching somebody else is making sure they're not watching because they're curious and hoping you fall they're watching you step so they know how to step they're watching you walk so they know how to walk and so when we go to sleep at the wheel we're not just going to jeopardize our lives but we're going to jeopardize the innocent lives of all of us around us because no one dies to themselves no one falls alone when the big trees fall sadly in their wake they often demolish the innocent smaller trees around them Amen. so for some they think well if I just have my name on a membership church roll somewhere that ought to be enough others think well if I just get baptized that ought to be enough some others think well if I do this religious rite or if I perform this religious ceremony you know some people uh, wear a cross around their neck as though that has some sort of magical power and helps them feel secure but I want to tell you today amen that's not where our hope is found we need to have a relationship with God. I thank you that you're here this morning. I really appreciate the fact and as I saw a, a, somebody post this and it popped up a few times throughout the week that nobody really understands how important it is and how good it makes a pastor feel that you showed up to church so I'm thankful that you're here and I'm not going to punch you in the nose for coming this morning this is where we ought to be but let me tell you something just walking in the door of a church no more makes you a Christian than going to stand in a garage makes you a car amen going and sitting in a church or standing in a church is not going to make you a child of God any more than going and standing in a barn is going to make us a horse. Amen. I say, God, I've got to be transformed when I come in these doors. I've got to be changed. I've got to let your spirit renew something in me. And so I say to that end, Lord, help me to wake up and help me to be stirred. I don't want to come. I've heard this statement many years, or many times through the years. I don't want to come to church with a shovel hoping that everything that is saying I can shovel that to somebody else or everything that's preached I can shovel that to somebody else but I want to come to the house of God with a rake. Amen. And I want to rake in the words of every song. I want to rake in the words of every sermon. Hallelujah. I may not be guilty of that today but I don't know what I'm going to be faced with tomorrow. So go ahead and preach to me preacher and sing to me singer. Get a message across because I I don't want to be asleep in the light. I don't want to be asleep in the light. The Bible says that it is day. Amen. And while it is day, that is when we've got to work. Amen. We've got to work while it is day. Why? Because night cometh when no man can work. Hallelujah. We can't trust these outward things and feel better about ourselves. Amen. I'm thankful for things that make me feel better. You know, uh, from time to time, I have found that I need to go to a chiropractor, and and wherever you fall on the lines of that. But from time to time, I just got to go get an adjustment, and and it's a little painful when it all takes place. But in the end, it's good. But I can't just go and think. And here's what I'm going to confess here: my chiropractor says all the time, you need to keep coming. and he said your problem is is you wait till everything is you can't move see doctors can talk a lot more straight than preachers can and we'll pay them to let them t- talk to us that way well I could really 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 meddle right here I promise you my, my meddling meter is just over here but I'm, I'm going to pull it back amen i, I I've heard people talk, call in on talk radio shows and, and just get drilled. And I'm thinking, man, I couldn't even think that, much less say that. But the problem is, is that we, we've got to stay in harmony, stay in adjustment. In this false sense of security that we go and get everything okay and now we're all right. But the truth of the matter is we're just one misstep away from being right back where we were all bound up and so God is calling us to follow him and we can't be secure in our own capacity and so it's, it's easy to become apathetic and it's easy to take the Lord for granted and it's so easy to put other things before him but we cannot mistake and please hear me today we cannot mistake the patience of the Lord for the approval of the Lord because sometimes we think because the Lord just hasn't judged us immediately even though we know what we're doing is not exactly right, that God somehow approves of that. But I'll tell you, what you might be experiencing is not the approval of God, but you may be experiencing the mercy of God. And we can't take the goodness of the Lord for granted because while his mercy is a wonderful thing, his judgment is sure. His judgment is is sure. I can't be lulled to sleep. So Amos speaks about the danger of letting ourselves fall into this spiritual stupor. And, and it's a problem, that problem of getting comfortable. That warning is so plain and simple. And that is this, don't be lulled to sleep. Don't be lulled to sleep. And so look how he describes the danger of the lifestyle of these people. And I mentioned this in the scriptures, but Amos talks about these people being on beds that have been with ivory and uh, I mean that's just elaborate that's beyond necessary and he said you're, you're not just laying down but I mean you're just kind of fat catting around and, and uh, you're on beds of ivory and um, things couldn't get any better you're you're dining on the most choice of lamb and, and you're dining on the fatted calf. and here's this scene of prosperity and there's nothing wrong with, but with prospering and there's nothing wrong with recreation but our problem is, is that we tend to take it too far and we, we I've said many many times and especially to our church leaders but just because you could be gone on a weekend doesn't necessarily mean you ought to be gone on a weekend. Amen. There ought to be something that drives us to the point of saying I I don't know if I want to miss church. Somebody may need me to help them pray them through to the Holy Ghost this weekend. I may be needed right there to pray a prayer of intercession. I may be needed. I'm not trying to hurl any guilt trips this morning. I'm being honest but I will tell you that we can't be out all hours of the night and get home at two or three in the morning on Sunday morning and then come to the house of God and be in tune and in touch with the spirit. I'm gonna tell you that we didn't just come here to socialize this morning. We come here to say we found hope. It was preached about in our first service. Amen, we found hope here. Not only that, but there's still hope here to be found. Praise God. Amos goes on and in chapter six, verse five. He said, you sing idle songs of the harp, like David, you invent for yourself musical instruments. If we put that into a modern church setting, we could say, Well, we've enjoyed some great worship. But again, if we're not careful, we can make this about us and not about him. Praise God. We need to say, Lord, help me to sing every song directed your way and help me to preach every message directed your way. In verse number six, and I mentioned it in our reading, but he said, You drink wine by the bowlfuls and you use the finest of lotions and then you bring and then he brings this charge against them he said here you're on ivory beds and you're eating the finest of the lamb and the finest of the beef and bowlfuls of wine and you use the finest lotions he said but you're not even grieved over the affliction of Joseph you're not even worried about what's going on the weightier matters amen Israel was unconcerned they were unconcerned because they were insensitive amen and the Lord, through Amos, was charging them with their unconcern. And he said, you're at ease in Zion. And you're not even grieving over the things that you ought to be grieving about. Someone once said, and this is where really I've derived my sermon today, title, sermon title. He said, the world is lost in darkness while the church is asleep in the light. Think about that. The real issue that was so bro- clearly brought into focus was this one phrase, you don't even grieve over the ruin of Joseph. In Amos' day, this charge meant that Israel was unconcerned about the state of their brothers. They were unconcerned. You know, I, I thought about this morning really early. I was reading over this again, and I, I thought about Hezekiah. If you know anything about the life of Hezekiah, he was Hezekiah was pronounced, he was going to die, and he asked the Lord for, for more time, and the Lord gave him 15 years, and in that 15 years he made some grave mistakes grave mistakes and he showed the enemy all of his wares he showed the enemy all of his arsenal and when the, when the Lord found out about all the things he had, he had shown the enemy and how horribly he had created a breach the Lord judged him for that but really and truly the Lord judged the next generation for that And the Lord began to speak through his mouthpiece about all the things that were going to happen to Hezekiah. And he pronounced judgment upon the coming generation. And he said, your sons are going to be eunuchs. They're going to be servants in the house of the king, the enemy. Now, it would be one thing to be a servant, but he said they're going to be eunuchs. that means that they cannot have children. And so your lineage is going to stop with you, Hezekiah. Do you get it? It's going to stop right here. There'll never be another born. And Hezekiah's response to that is good is is the word of the Lord. As long as there's no judgment in my day. Good is the word of the Lord. What? What? You can say that as long as everything's okay with me, that you're not worried about the next generation and you call that good, We don't know when the Lord can come. I believe and preach the imminent return of the Lord. The Lord could come today. Amen. I know, and I'm talking about come for the church today, but he certainly could come for us individually today. But I will tell you that if the Lord comes for me today, if he comes for me today, but he doesn't come for the church today, I want to make sure something's left behind for somebody else to come along. Amen. I don't want to leave a house full and pardon me, I'm not trying to be crass but I don't want to leave a house full of spiritual eunuchs and that we can just live out our days and serve our days but I want to to leave enough behind for what was preached about this morning, prodigals, amen, lost sheep that can come, people that have never walked in the door, hallelujah amen, I want to say Lord, long as we're having good church, no, I want another generation to have good church another generation to know the power of prayer and the power of the importance of his spirit praise God amen I don't think it's enough that we experience apostolic revival I think the generation behind us deserves that and more amen I'll ask our musicians to come and so as we look back at our text God was concerned but their heart was somehow unmoved and if I could say it this way they were their heart was out of sync with the heart of God and so if If we would apply this to ourselves, then we would have to ask ourselves a very pointed question. And that is this, are our hearts in sync with the heart of God? Amen. I'm not trying to hurl a bunch of guilt this morning. But I just wonder when we walk away thinking we've had a good service, if the Lord really thinks we had a good service. I know what we're weighing it by and what we're using for scales and what we're using for a comparison, but I wonder what the Lord thinks. Amen. If if we would apply this to ourselves, then we've got to ask ourselves, is my heart in sync with God? And here's the real question. Are we moved by the things that move God? Are we people who care about the things of God? Our passion, is that His passion? And to be sure, His passion is people. God's passion is people. Amen. And I'm thankful today to know that the Lord reached out to us when we were without hope, and this has so much been preached on already today, but He reached out to us when we were without hope, and He poured grace upon us when we were yet undeserving. But that's why He came, and that's why He lived. That's why He gave His life. And so I've got to realize that that true fulfillment does not come when we receive the infilling of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. That's important. That is critical. It's essential. Except a man be born again of the water and the Spirit. That's what the Bible says. But true fulfillment happens whenever we step into the purpose of God. Many, many years ago, I preached a message that, and in that message that I'm not going to re-preach today, but I talked about the power or the purpose of God. And are and, the presence or the purpose of God. And I'm thankful for the presence of God. But there's nothing more fulfilling than the purpose of God. We need His presence. It's a promise of His presence. But Jesus had a purpose and that purpose was people. That was His focus. You watch Him on earth. That three and a half year ministry. You, you, you watch Him. Even as a young man. When his parents left the temple, he was still there because people, that was his focus, people. And those around him essentially said, never a man spake like this man. He taught, but he didn't teach like the Samaritans. He taught, but he didn't teach like the Pharisees. He, he taught, like, but he didn't teach like, teach like the teachers of their day. And so I believe it's easy to take some things for granted. I'll ask you to stand with me this morning. And sometimes we need a wake-up call like, the one Amos gave Israel. Amen. Because if we will be just gut-wrenching honest, sometimes we are so busy seeking after things that are never going to satisfy us. And so Isaiah Isaiah 55 and 2 addresses this head on. I'll tell you, some of these prophets in the Old Testament, that was bare knuckles. Amen. It really was. It was just bare knuckles. And so Isaiah 55 and 2 says, Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which satisfieth not? He said, Hearken diligently unto me, and eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Because we're only going to be satisfied. Whenever we spend our lives caring about the spiritual welfare of others. Amen. Amen. That's how God made us. And that is a satisfaction that money can't buy. But that is the call. Every believer in this house. So I come to this pit today to preach to the church. To say wake up. Amen. I, I say this humbly, but I'm telling you, long before daylight this morning, I was walking up and down the aisles of this church and I anointed and prayed over the seat you're sitting in. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. And I asked God to wake the church up. Stir us and wake us up. Amen. We need to never, ever let things get between us and the house of God. Amen. We're not. This is not a numbers game. I'm not talking about that. But I'm just saying that... The, that when you let things get between you and the house of God today, it'll be easier tomorrow and easier the next day and easier the next time. But we've got to develop a culture in our own heart, set a culture in our own family that when the house is God, is open, we're going. Amen. We're going to the house of God. Amen. Wake up out of sleep and let's be determined to not be two things or not allow two things. Amen. I don't want to allow the world... To be lost in darkness. And I certainly don't want the church to be asleep in the light. Amen. I wonder where you're standing today. If you would lift your hands and commit your life, open our mouth. Amen. Let's voice it. Let's let heaven hear us. God, I want to renew my commitment to you. If you're here this morning without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you can have it before you leave here today. Amen. The power and